0: Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Janice, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, November 29, 2012. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are going to begin on Chapter 6 into action, page 72, beginning with the paragraph, Having Made Our Personal Inventory. The reference number, the share code for yesterday, which was Wednesday, November 28th, is 3414. That's 3414. OA preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And now I would like to ask Irini to please read the 12 steps.
1: Thank you, Janice. Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Irini. I am a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives have become unmanageable. Two, came to believe and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. I thank you and I pass.
2: Thank you,
0: Edini. And now I'd like to ask Margaret to please read the 12 traditions.
3: Thank you so much. This is Margaret, recovered compulsive overeater in Illinois. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, Finance or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever nonprofessional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve.
0: Thank you, Margaret, thank you very much. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. And today we are going to resume our study in the big book. We are in chapter six into action on page 72, beginning with the paragraphs, having made our personal inventory. And this morning I would like to ask Penny C. to get us started.
4: Good morning, everybody. This is Penny C. I'm recovered compulsive overeater. Having made our personal inventory, what shall we do about it? We have been trying to get a new attitude, a new relationship with our creator, and to discover the obstacles in our path. We have admitted certain defects. We have ascertained in a rough way what the trouble is. We have put our finger on the weakness on the weak items in our personal inventory. Now these are about to be cast out. This requires action on our part, which when completed will mean that we have admitted to God, to ourselves and to another human being, the exact nature of our defects. This brings us to the fifth step in the program of recovery mentioned in the preceding chapter. The, the part that I, I that jumps out at me every time I read this is something that when I first heard that I that I was you know going to be doing a fourth step and then giving that information away to another human being and to my God the part the part that that impressed me the most was that every single resentment that I had. You know, every act of selfishness, every bit of self-pity, everything that I've done that was dishonest put a block between me and my creator, that that connection, that spiritual connection that I have with my God would be, would be impaired if I hung on to any of those defects, and that this now was a way that I could get, get, rid of those and indeed what did happen as is as I gave away my my fourth step, as I read it to my my wonderful sponsor, um, she had a wood burning stove in her kitchen and we took section by section and we watched it burn in her in her stove as we held hands and and uh, then we said the serenity prayer and I watched I watched those obstacles disappear literally and figuratively and and for real. So, with that, I'll pass. Thank you.
0: Mm -hmm. Thank you, Penny. Thank you. Would anyone like to comment
5: on this paragraph? This is Kim. Go ahead, Kim.
0: Good morning, Dennis. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. I get so excited when we start a new chapter, you know, into action, into action. I mean, that's what this whole program is about is action. You know, and we're in those action steps now, you know. I remember when I first went to a big book study and I just giggled because someone goes, you know, it's not called into feeling. It's not called into rationalization. It's not called into, into reflection. And that's what I did. I used to read the big book and think, oh, that's interesting. That sounds like an interesting exercise. All right, well, maybe I'll go to a meeting next week and then I'll discuss it. I'll reflect about it. I'll pray about it. But I never did the action step. So it says here, having made our personal inventory, what shall we do about it? Because in and of itself, what's the fourth step? It's just a bunch of writing on a piece of paper. Now, what are we going to do about it? You know, And one of the things I have really learned um, I've been taught in this book is when I talk to people, what is this program about? It's about the steps. So I say, so where are you in the steps? How are the steps for you right now? And one of the things that makes the, the hairs in the back of my neck stand up is someone goes, why well, have you been working on my step four for about three years? I started step four about two years ago, but it got tough, so I I, I haven't gotten any further on that. You know, my goodness, that's, that's so dangerous. That's so dangerous. We do this fourth step. We keep at the pace, and then we ask, what do we do about it? We have to keep going. And why is that? Because as i here, we have ascertained in a rough way what the trouble is, in a rough way, because we're still in our own head. We still are thinking, well, this is what has worked for me in the past, or this is what has not worked for me, but don't know what to do about it. So it's kind of like you're in the car, and the car stops, and you open up the hood, and you ascertain in a rough way that your car is not working, the battery is dead, you go, oh well, and you walk away from the car. What's gonna happen? If you don't if you find out in a rough way your car's not working, if you don't bring it to a mechanic and have them fix it, what's the use of the car? It's just sitting on there on the highway not helping you out. So right now we're at that point. We've ascertained in a rough way what the trouble is. And we're asking ourselves, now that we're done this inventory, what do we do about it? And that's what this chapter is about. And with that I pass. Thank you, Kim. Well, this is Janice, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. You know, I, I too, like Kim, um, get excited when we move forward in this program and and the study of the process of how we work these steps. But I don't want to forget, you know, we just came out of the How It Works chapter, and we talked about yesterday in the meeting you know what are we doing here when we put these things, this spiritual malady that we've now identified? Now we've put these things down on paper that blocked us, that blocked us from God. but i I don't ever want to forget that it's faith and this higher power that's going to do for me what I couldn't do for myself, and that's what I needed to identify. Not that there was a God, but of my need for God. That's what the big book convinced me of, that I had this spiritual malady, that there were these things in me, this self-will in me, that had gone awry. Self-will run riot had put me in a position where I could not see or feel my higher power. And so I'm this little human being full of resentments and fears and anger and self-seeking and dishonesty. And I'm running around trying to live life on life's terms and and having a rough going of it. (laughs) You know, I've made a rough going of life. But I've made that decision to turn my life and my will over. I've made this inventory process now work for me. And perhaps it says we've swallowed and digested some big chunks about ourselves. You know, the greatest gift is knowing ourselves. Because without that awareness... And knowing myself, I can't take further action on this. And that's what step four has done for me. I've been trying to get a new attitude, a new relationship with my higher power. Because that's what's going to save me. And by wanting and working on that inventory process, I'm learning what made me tick. And I'm learning what those obstacles were in my path. What those obstacles were. Since we've put our finger on the weak items in our inventory. Now, these are about to be cast out. But I have to know that it is God. Is God going to do for me what I could not do for myself? I'm going to be willing to take further action here. But do I believe? Have I made that decision? And am I going to be willing to do this next step? based on that decision and on that higher power, growing in me and through me. And with that, I'll pass. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Paula. May I comment? Go ahead, Paula. Thank you. You know, I'm going to stay right with that first line. Now, I'm going to stay with it here. When you do this inventory, you do not stay with it we say it's clearly, it's cast out these things. Having made our personal inventory, what shall we do about it? Now, the other question for you, the way it supplies you here, and it tells you this is what we have been trying to get a new attitude, something not known before. My attitude, honey, I walked around with a chip on my shoulder. And believe me, I believe you put it there. In a new relationship with our creator, not known before. Did I have a relationship with my creator? Yes, I did. But not like this. You know, Bill talks about, on page 12, there had been a humble willingness to have him with me oh, many times. And he says clearly, and he came. But soon, now this is it, he cast away. But soon the sense of his presence had been blotted out by the worldly clamors, mostly those within myself. And so it had been ever since how blind I had been. Well, here we're getting the opportunity to see and to be healed of that blindness. And it says, with our Creator, and to discover the obstacles in our path. And you know what clearly says, what is an obstacle? An obstacle is something that stands in the way.
5: It stands in the way. In the way of what? Your path. Your path to who?
0: To God himself. But wait, with that comes a new life just as the spiritual experience says, they're the change. And we continue to look at this. Now, these are about to be cast out, but this says, there again, this requires action on our part, which when, when completed, wait, will mean that we have admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our defects. That's it. To come to that place
5: To finally see them and cast them out. Because clearly it says cast out because they're in. They're inside you. They're within.
0: This brings us to the fifth step. Don't you love it? Each step preceding brings you to the next. You only bring your willingness and hear the action. Thank you for allowing me to share. With that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. This is is Katie. Go ahead, Katie. Hi, I'm Katie, a compulsive overeater, and I just wanted to focus on this word cast. You know, we sort of say it quickly, mumble over it, now these are about to be cast out. Well, the definition of cast is throw something forcefully in a specific direction. So this is what we're called to do. We're told to, we've identified these character defects and and, you know, maybe specific actions and different things that have happened in the past. But now what are we going to do? We're going to throw them away. We're going to start on a new footing. We're going to stop that activity. And that's what the the next um, steps are going to show us how to do that, because um, this requires action on our part. Because if we don't take action, if we don't focus and uh, ask God to remove these things um, by taking the fifth step, um, then we will just keep that vicious cycle going of going back to those character defects. We'll just have new characters in our, um, in our play. And so, um, you know, I just love the way they use such specific words that are very descriptive. We cast them out. We throw them down into the abyss. And the only way to get them back would be to climb back down there with them. And, um, We don't have to do that today, if that'll pass. Thank you, Katie. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Yes, this is Patricia. Go ahead, Patricia. Yeah, I just wanted to comment on the trying to get a new attitude, Um, because that tells me that I had to not like my attitude, even to start this whole program, and which of course I didn't. I didn't like the person that I had become. So I just wanted to share that.
5: Thank you. Thank you, Patricia. Thank
0: you, Patricia. Would anyone else like to comment on this? this is Sharon? This Go is ahead, Sharon. Sharon. Good morning. This is Sharon, recovered compulsive overeater. So glad to be on the line this morning. Uh, I'd look at like to look at the line. We have been trying to get a new attitude, a new relationship with our creator and to discover the obstacles in our path. That new attitude, we've been trying to get a new attitude and a new relationship with our creator as we as we start our action, as we start moving into action. We have to really for me, I have to in some ways, hold back and keep my old self in check and recognize that I have to operate now out of this new attitude. It is important as we start our action that we don't go charging off trying to um, fix ourselves. Now that we've identified all of this stuff that's wrong with us, now okay, now let me get busy fixing it all. No, that is not what we do in program. We wait. We go to our creator. We go to our higher power. We, we, are, we have a clear understanding at this point, as clear as we need uh, to have for recovery, and it will continue to grow, but we have a clear attitude of our creator, of our higher power. We have a relationship that is continuing to grow with that higher power. How does that relationship grow? That relationship grows by spending time. That relationship with our creator grows by listening to our creator, by growing in that understanding and and insight that we get from our creator. So with this new attitude comes a new approach toward life. It's not running out there on our own. Because we're still growing. We're still learning. So we have to slow down, take it one step at a time, not try to figure the whole thing out, not get our list of what areas that we're going to repair in ourselves, how we're going to change, and how we're going to, what needs to happen first. What, what we do is we go to our creator, our, our higher power for direction. We slow down. We allow ourselves to continue to learn. We we cast out judgment. We cast out because one thing that I've recognized in myself is that when I see all of these things, these defects of character in myself, I get panicked. I you know I get uh, frustrated because I have this mistaken belief that I need to be perfect. And so it's very difficult for me to live with my own imperfection. But what I have learned is that I have to accept and live with my imperfection. I have to accept that my higher power is guiding me to be what I need to be. And that oftentimes my greatest usefulness is in my imperfection. And that I don't know what perfect is. So I have to let go of all of that and take it one step at a time, not seeing the end, but trusting, having that courage of faith that each step is going to be revealed to me what the next step is. And it's through my relationship that my with my higher power that I get my sight, that I get my awareness of what I need to do next. So as I go into action, I have to hold on to my faith, hold on to my higher power, and know that the next step will be revealed after I take the first step. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sharon. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph before we move on?
6: All right, we'll move on to the next paragraph, and I'll ask Esther to read that for us. Good morning, my name is Esther, compulsive overeater in Canada. This is perhaps difficult, especially discussing our defects with another person. We think we've done well enough in admitting these things to ourselves. There's doubt about that. In actual practice, we usually find a solitary self-appraisal insufficient. Many of us thought it necessary to go much further. We will be more reconciled to discussing ourselves with another person when we see good reasons why we should do so. The best reason first, if we skip this vital step, we may not overcome drinking. Time after time, newcomers have tried to keep to themselves certain facts about their lives. Trying to avoid this humbling experience, they have turned to easier methods. Almost invariably, they got drunk. Having persevered with the rest of the program, they wondered why they fell. We think the reason is that they never completed their house cleaning. They took inventory all right, but they hung on to some of the worst items in stock, they only thought they had lost their egoism and fear. They only thought they had humbled themselves, but they had not learned enough of humility, fearlessness and honesty in the sense we find it necessary until they told someone else all their life story. So I just wanted to comment on the line in actual practice we usually find a solitary self appraisal insufficient. So just as I cannot see physically my entire self, my myself in its entirety, the only way for me to see my whole self—I mean, I could look at my hand, I could look at my feet—but if I want to see myself, my face, and everything, I need to look into a mirror. The same way, if I if I want to get a um, a good look at who I am, you know, from a spiritual sense, I I need to bounce that off somebody else to sort of mirror this off of somebody, preferably someone who's been through the process. And who has an understanding of what I'm trying to do and will be able to help me have an honest look at at who and what I am because it was it's really easy for me um and looking at myself to to deceive myself, so that's why I found it important to that's why i i I found that it was very revealing to to do this with another person, why it wasn't enough just to say, "Well, I've written it all and now I know it." you know, let's move on to, you know, making amends or something like that, why this was important for me to be able to discuss it with another person. They could have a look and and point out things that I might not have seen that I might have missed or point out, um, maybe um, point point out things that I have, you know, either overlooked or, um, you know, that went unnoticed. And the the other thing that I found important, uh, you know, in doing this with somebody else is, you know they were able to perhaps steer me in the you know in the direction of things that I had forgotten and say, "You know what about this what about that there There could have been things that didn't end up on my resentment list, you know you know things I had done to others um they could ask me about that, so this is why it was a, good for me again to um do this with uh, you know preferably a recovered sponsor someone who's who's done this step who you know could be who was alert to the ways that I could deceive myself. Y- you know, and be able to point out to me, you know, where I haven't had a, a good and complete look, at, you know, at who and what I am. Um, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Esther. Would anyone like to comment on this paragraph?
5: This is Anne-Marie. Go ahead, Anne-Marie. Hi. Good morning. Uh, Anne-Marie here. Um, uh, Recovered compulsive eater. Um Good morning. Um, what really popped out at me in this uh paragraph was that in actual practice we usually find a solitary self appraisal insufficient. Well, yeah, for me. <laughs> I always I often hear, um, you know, it being in uh you know, staying in my mind is, is like a dangerous neighborhood. I'm not sure the the exact phrase, but um that's just what it reminded me of. Um You know, keeping things to myself, thinking that I can handle it on my own. I did that over and over again. You know, throughout my years of fighting this, um, fighting it on my own, the uh, compulsive eating, um, I so often thought, I don't need to discuss this with someone else. Um, I can handle this. Um, You know, this is trivial. I don't need to write this down. And I really believe that a lot of that stuff just stayed in my head. And, you know, it, it is like it's like a snowball effect. It's the only thing I can think of is the snowball effect because then the resentment or the fear starts building and building and building. And um, I need, God put people in my life for a reason. And you know, he put this program, and I am so grateful for for being brought to this 12-step program, so I need to use it. I need to take action, and you know this fourth step is so important. Uh, it, it was just so important to me to get everything out on paper, and then and then to find someone to discuss it with and set it out. Not only just discuss it with me, you know, to get in my head or discuss it with God, but to actually verbalize it to someone else. So important to me not to stay in in my own head. Thanks.
0: Thanks, Anne-Marie. Would anyone else like to comment on this
7: paragraph? This is Lois. May I share? Go ahead, Lois. Hi. Good morning, everyone. Yeah, for me, this this was an important part of my recovery. Uh, I had done it many, many times like the previous speakers had talked about and had minimized and, you know, and um, found all kinds of ways that I could rationalize not doing this but it wasn't until I followed these directions exactly the way it was laid out that it was it was the beginning of isolation for me because I was always isolated within myself, you know, not, not having the trust. And I also had a lot of shame, you know, not being a perfect person and hurting. And What I learned was uh, I had a lot of shame about not being able to be the person I wanted to be and God wanted me to be. So when I was able to uh, talk to another person about my defects of characters and do the fifth step, you know, I was able to face this person and this person listened to me with respect and patience. And for me it was it was a form of acceptance, you know, coming out of my isolation and being able to admit, you know, my defects of characters that I wasn't perfect did not shock this other person. So that was the beginning of being able to um, – to admit to myself, you know, and to continue to work, uh, look for these character defects in my life without fear because I was afraid, you know, not to, to uh, have these defects of character. So for me it was, a, it was a large change, you know. It was the beginning of a lifetime of beginning to, you know, take a look at myself and to practice these principles, or to try to practice these principles in all my affairs. Thank you. And with that I pass. Thank you, Lois.
0: Well, this is Janice, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. You know, this, this paragraph, these first two paragraphs in this chapter into action were so meaningful and so important to me. I don't know about you, but, you know, I had spent a lifetime rationalizing and minimizing and justifying my behaviors to myself, to myself, you know, not discussing them not looking at them closely with another human being but trying my little self sufficient self to handle it all alone you know and and i i so can relate the isolation and the fear and the shame around all of that was what i kept stuffing down but why am i going to do this why am i going to be willing it says, this is perhaps difficult. Well, that's an understatement, I said to myself. This is perhaps difficult. Yes, these 100 recovered alcoholics had gone through this process. And they were speaking from their own experience. Why would you want to do this? Why would you want to do this? Well, the best reason first, if we skip this vital step, we may not overcome drinking. If I skipped this vital step, I might still be prisoner in the obsession, in the food, in that horrible, horrible circle that I was caught up in and could not get myself out of. So yes, you know, I have this list of things that I've identified in myself, and perhaps I've gotten some help with that already. But you know, I'm, in, I'm emotionally involved with this information, because it's mine. You know, I could see why you should get rid of some of the things in your inventory. But these were mine. These were mine. And I needed help. I needed help in ascertaining exactly how these things had kept me prisoner, how these things had blocked me from my higher power. And someone else's eyes and ears was going to help me to see that more clearly. Someone who had been through this process themselves, who was standing on a higher ground, than me, because remember, I'm still in the midst of all this stuff. I've maybe identified it, but I'm still in the midst of it. And until I do this step, until I take this action, it's a moot point. If I'm just sitting with it, then sitting with it is eventually going to lead me back to the food. It's eventually, I—I I am. It's like holding your breath underwater. You know, if I sit with this too long. I'm going to eventually have to resurface and take that first bite because that's always been my pattern in the past. So I needed someone. I needed someone to help me with this vital step because avoidance was action. Avoidance of this step was the action I was taking. And I didn't want to avoid anymore. I couldn't handle these things myself. I needed somebody to help me get some emotional distance from this and identify and help me with their experience. And that's what step five was going to do for me. And with that, I'll pass. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Paula. May I I comment?
8: Go ahead, Paula.
0: Thank you. You know, maybe this is repetitious, but boy, I'll tell you, it's so necessary. That's how I learn. Hearing it over and over. What line is most important? I don't know. But I'm going to go right to this line. I'm going to scoot down to the best reason first. I never did first things first. That wasn't even part of my thing. I did what I wanted to. But here it's very clear the best reason first. And as was said, if we skip this vital, what is vital? Necessary to life? Important? Wait again. Indispensable. Can't do it without it. And then it goes time after time. Oh, do we not know about that? Time after time, newcomers have tried to keep to themselves certain facts about their lives. Why would we want to? Is it pride? Is it humility? No. Is it shame? Is it humility? Here I learned what humility was not being too. Too big, not being too little, just being medium. And then it said, and I love this, we think the reason is, and why did they get drunk? Oh, let me see. We think the reason is that they never completed their house cleaning. Oh, come on now. Here we can come together in honesty. How many of us really clean the baseboards? We skipped the baseboards. But it's amazing. I don't know about you, but when I finally... Clean the baseboard. Boy, oh boy. It ain't one swipe, honey. It's a scrubbing. As they've been left there for so long. For so long. Finally, time to clean the baseboards. And I like this part. I'm going to scoot on down to the end. I love the butts. But they had not learned enough. That's all. I needed to learn more. I needed to learn more. Wasn't sufficient. They had not learned enough of humility, fearlessness, and honesty. In the sense we find it necessary, honey, it's necessary. Until they sold, stole, told someone else and they put in italics all their life story. And with that, their life changes. Thank you for allowing me to cheer. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Would anyone
9: else like to comment okay. on this Miracle? Good morning. It's Leia. Go ahead, Leah. Hey, Janice. Good morning to you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. This is perhaps difficult, and yes, this is the part where, <laughs> you know, the uh, reader shakes in, in his or her boots a little bit. This is perhaps difficult, especially discussing our defects with another person. We think we have done well enough in admitting these things to ourselves. There is doubt about that. In actual practice, we usually find a solitary self-appraisal insufficient. Insufficient meaning it's not adequate to accomplish the purpose or the task or the need. You know, death of ego, death of self. You know, we can't rely on the information on that step four as we see it because we don't have a good record of the truth. You know, We only have our perception and our best thinking got us here. So our perception is very distorted. I needed the eyes and the ears of a recovered fellow sitting across the table to take a good look with me. Who, you know, because uh, I couldn't rely on my limited, distorted opinion of what I found in my inventory. You know, step five is getting an outside viewpoint, a different look at things from from God from from myself, the ability that I did have at that point, and from another person. Because if nothing changes, nothing changes. That's it. You know what I mean? There there has to be a transformation of my mind in order for me to recover. And me and my limited mind cannot take a look at this information on step four and know exactly um what to do about it it says many of us thought it necessary to go much further we will be more reconciled to discussing ourselves with another person when we see good reasons why we should do so reconciled we will be more reconciled more accepting more resigned to we will be willing to submit and what is that reason Well, that reason is if I skip this step, if I skip step five, I'm not going to overcome drinking. I'm not going to overcome compulsive overeating because putting down the food and scribbling a few things on the paper is not enough. Treating compulsive overeating with a diet is like putting a Band-Aid on a fatal wound. The treatment is not enough. It's not adequate for the the condition. So I'm going to have to push my way through this. Because if I don't deal with the disease, it will deal with me, and I had enough experience with that. It goes on to say here, they only thought they had lost their egoism and fear. They only had thought they had humbled themselves, but they had not learned enough of humility, fearlessness, and honesty. I mean, these are three powerful words here, humility, fearlessness, and honesty. This is it. How free do I want to be? How free do I want to be? And when I got to the point of enough pain and enough suffering and enough degradation that it broke me down, I was willing to say, you know what, death of ego, death of self. Throw in the towel, here is what I have become due to this illness. Take a look at this paper. Everything is on it. It says, in the sense we find it necessary until they told someone else all their life story, put it All out on the table. Here I am, God. Please make me into something different. I know this is not what you wanted of me, but this is what I had become and left to my own devices. So please, God, here I am. Here I submit to you. All of what I have become, please, God, with all your mercy and all your grace and all your power and all your strength and all your love, please transform me into something that you want me to be. Let me be what you want me to be. But I had to go through this process in order to, to cooperate with his grace. I had to pull it all out on the table in order for him to pick up all those pieces and make me something new and allow me to be reborn. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph?
8: This is Lisa. May I speak?
0: Go ahead, Lisa.
8: Hi, this is Lisa in Washington State, a compulsive reader. Um, It's important to me when I'm uh, reading this section to recall back to where I had been a few months before I started working the fourth and fifth steps. And where I had been was sitting in a chair, two, 200 pounds overweight, groveling, daily groveling, going through a cycle of, of uh, self-abuse, um, promising myself I'd do something different, um, just this horrible um, depths of compulsive overeating. And to the outside world, I would acknowledge that I was overweight, but I wasn't really saying the whole story of what it meant to be overweight how i beat myself up every night and how much i was really eating and how it was affecting my health and how i treated my kids because i didn't have good energy and so this you know so you know the so i had a big pattern of morbid self-reflection and just kind of this this uh loop this constant loop so now now I go forward a few months and now I'm in the program and now I'm I've taken a look at uh at myself in step 4 well it would be very easy to just get into possibly another loop and not take that step out of the loop and 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 sharing with another person is the beginning of that just as when we're in meetings and we talk about a little bit about what it was really like to be a compulsive reader this is what it's really like to live inside the defects that I've been living inside. And so it's it's so critical to to not to it was so critical for me to not think in my grandiosity that I could somehow figure out some strategy to to step outside of my character defects. I could, you know, when I first started looking at them, I barely could see see them anyway. And to have that Opportunity to sit down with another compulsible reader, in my case, and have her come right back at me and say, I understand, I've been there too. Um, You know, really led me out of that um, solitary isolation where. I felt like I had to solve everything. Somehow I was going to make myself better, I, 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 and into a we and more, and helped me get into a, a deeper connection with my higher power. And with that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Lisa. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Press
5: star one to unmute. All right, we'll move on to the next paragraph then, and I'll ask Katie to
0: please read that for us. This is Katie, a compulsive overeater. More than most people, the alcoholic leads a double life. He is very much the actor. To the outer world, he presents his stage character. This is the one he likes his fellows to see. He wants to enjoy a certain reputation, but knows in his heart he doesn't deserve it. And this is exactly how I lived in uh disease and even in the rooms i was in the rooms for a long time and tried to keep plowing through the steps even though i was an abstinent i thought that if i just kept working at this and writing all this stuff down and you know spent a lot of time in morbid reflection then um i would somehow get abstinent so I've, i i um, increased this activity of a double life um, I said what I thought people wanted to hear. I answered you know i I grew up with an attitude of telling people um just enough information, so it appeared that I was um very forthcoming and honest when in fact, I withheld a lot of information um, so it wasn't until I stopped this uh double life that I could actually recover um, and you know, I have grown up in this pro in this program. I don't wear my heart on, a sleeve- on my sleeve. I don't, um, you know, I don't share my every thought with everybody that comes along. If someone irritates me, I don't think, well, I need to be honest and tell them I can't stand them. You know, I've learned um, what is appropriate and what is not appropriate, uh, but I am honest with my fellows and I'm honest with my sponsor. And that is where, and I'm honest with my higher power. And that's what this is talking about, that we cannot think that we have um, anywhere to hide, that we need to be honest with someone. And thank goodness, we don't have to be honest with, um, with everybody who crosses our path. We can have our own anonymity. Um, as long as we are being honest with ourselves and with another human being. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Katie. Would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? This is Kim. Go ahead, Kim. Good morning again, everyone. I love this. Um, The alcoholic leads a double life. You know, I often felt like I was leading a triple life or a quadruple life. You know, in college, my roommate, college roommate used to call me the chameleon because depending on who walked in the room, I was a totally different person because I, I at that last line, I knew in my heart I didn't deserve it. I knew in my heart that I was a piece of crap. But what I learned was if I could figure out what you wanted, if I could figure out what you needed and become that person, then I could, you would like me because you're, I'm becoming who you want me to be. So I, it was so exhausting. It was so, I I could not be the person that God wanted me to be if I was being the person that you know that Sally wanted me to be or Jerry wanted me to be or Joey wanted me to be. You know, so I led this double life. And this did not stop, like Katie said, it did not stop for me when I came into L.A. You know, I had some real long-term abstinence of untreated compulsive overeating, meaning the only thing I was feeling was being abstinent. And I lost a lot of weight. And I was not good enough. So I bought blonde hair and I bought blue eyes because I thought that's what the world wanted. And what I found was that my problem wasn't the food. My problem was sobriety. My problem was I had to be abstinent all the time, not just in the morning and at night and on the weekdays. I had to be abstinent all the time. And that is so difficult. That is so difficult. I wanted to enjoy that certain reputation. Because even in abstinence, I wanted to be that perfect abstinent OA girl, you know, and I knew in my heart I did not deserve it. So like the chapter before, I had to find the humility, fearlessness, and honesty that was necessary to tell someone all my story, and then I could authentically be the Kim that God wanted me to be. But I could only do that by working through this process because I had to remove all those blockages between me and God in order to feel, in order to experience the person that God wanted me to be. So when I read this, The Alcoholic Leaves a Double Life, there's a saying I love. It says, The truth shall set you free, but first it's going to piss you off. And that's what I'm hearing here. I'm hearing the truth and I'm excited, but at the same time in the process, I'm pissed off because now I can no longer live that that double life and these first 100 are busting me on all, all my delusions, all my problems, all the reasons that I went back to the food. And thank you, God, they did that. And with that, that, I pass.
5: Thank you, Kim. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Well, I'm Janice, and I am a compulsive overeater. More than most people.
0: The alcoholic leads a double life. You know, most people can do this kind of thing without a whole lot of difficulty, without a whole lot of trouble. They may feel a little bit uh, self-conscious one day and they just suit up and show up and, and put this uh, idea out to the world of who they are and, and they get through the day and they make some progress and they do a good job. Well, that was not my description. You know, it says more than most people the alcoholic leads a double life, a double life. You know, he's very much the actor. To the outer world, he presents this stage character. In. And what kind of a character did I want to present to the outside world? I wanted the outside world to think I had it all together. I had it all under control. And I was in charge. That was that was the outer personality I like to show to the world but inside inside was a whole nother matter inside I was either the bottom of the heap or the top of the heap you know I was either filled with shame uncertainty or I was who do you think you are you know there was no middle of the road for me I was either top of the heap or bottom, bottom. And I tried to present that to the world, and you know what? It takes a whole lot of energy. It takes a whole lot of energy, and it tired me out. And I would say to myself, if you had my problems, you'd eat too. But I did not know at that time that it was all part and parcel of this very thing I would learn about here in the big book. That there was a way to be relieved of that. You know, you can run, but you cannot hide, Janice. And I was running as fast as I could most of the time. And when I slowed down enough and had to actually look at these things in myself, I couldn't bear it. I couldn't bear it. So I needed a higher power, and I needed you. I needed a higher power to relieve me, and I needed you to help me work these steps. And with that, I'll pass. Would
9: anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Leah. Go ahead, Leah. Thank you so much. Um, Here to the outer world, he presents his stage character. This is the one he likes his fellows to see. You know, in my development of my personality, you know, I always wanted to be somebody, and I always wanted to feel like something, and i was desperately you know aspiring to feel equal to everybody and yet i so desperately needed to feel superior and with that that nasty brew um you know, I had to go to any lengths to pursue those avenues. You know, I had to lie, and I had to cheat, and I had to steal, and I had to sacrifice relationships. And And part of my toolkit was blaming and playing victim and criticizing and, and you know, de- destruction of relationships. And, you know, it was all to feel a sense of security and to feel a sense of well-being because I had these false dependencies, these false dependencies on people, on places, on things, and circumstances to give me a sense of ease and comfort. And when that didn't work, of course, I would dig my fist into cellophane bags and bakery boxes. You know, and with all those masks and all those, uh, you know, (laughs) that fraud going on, I felt no credibility, and I felt an anxious apartness. You know, it was, it, I was tortured by loneliness, tortured by loneliness. And I had this separation not only from God, not only from self, but from others. You know, so the step five, you know, was the beginning of a true kinship with man and with God because I could break free of these masks and break free of the fraud and break free of the arrogancy and break free of the hypocrisy and throw that away, discard that and, and, and fall into the arms of my creator. You know, here I am, you know, a broken shell of a human being. This is what I have become because I have lived in the darkness. Because I have lived in the darkness, please take me. You know, and with the help and the hand of someone who was recovered and who had gone through this process themselves, they took me by the hand and with the implementation of these action steps led me back into the warmth and brightness of his light. That was step five. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Well, with that, we will
0: end the meeting this morning. Thank you to everybody who shared around the room today. We will now close with the reading from the Big Book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. And Deb, would you please read that for us?
2: My pleasure. Thank you, Janice. Good morning, A Vision for You. This is Deb, Recovered, Compulsive Over Edith in Michigan. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right